0: I'm Holly Tucker, and welcome to my podcast, Conversations of Inspiration. Found of Not on the High Street and Holly & Co., I'm the UK Ambassador of Creative Small Businesses. I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life, and my dream is to help everyone start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement, and in my view, the greatest way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to all my favorite small businesses, acclaimed entrepreneurs, and those who just simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to our sponsor NatWest, who have helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration.
1: Bow your head and
0: let your eyelids in. close on down. Where this week, I'm speaking to Molly Gunn, founder of Selfish Mother and the Family Store. Starting as a blog for mums and dads across the UK to speak honestly about parenting, Selfish Mother helped to change a mindset of the time that was obsessed with being the perfect parent. Her blog resonated with so many, reflected in Molly's huge social media following and loyal fans. She went on to launch her retail arm of the business, The Family Store, selling her now-famous Good Teas, emblazoned with empowering slogans. From each sale, a proportion goes to charity, and through the success of these teas, Molly is just about to reach a phenomenal milestone, raising over a million pounds for charity. I travelled to Bruton, Somerset, to visit Molly in her shop, where we discussed The Good Life, juggling a family whilst running a business, and how you can make a successful living through giving back. Hi Molly, lovely to see you. Hi. So lovely to see you. My goodness, good you. it feels like it's changed since I last was here. This amazing good life mural on the wall how amazing yeah I know oh it's so cool gosh, isn't it my, so my second cool. cousin
1: did the mural Laquena and she's a really cool street artist so yeah I was so pleased
0: and I can see um all the colours that maybe um I was looking at last time and I actually resisted so I'm thinking that maybe the damage to the card is going to be done again I remember last time coming out with about three or four bags Aww, one of your girls you. had to actually help me <laughs> to the car with all my things so it's just so lovely to be
1: here again I can't wait For us to chat further. Yeah, that's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it as well and having a cup of tea. Yes, a cup of tea. Thank you
0: so much for showing me around your amazing shop. And we're now here in your new HQ, an actual chapel. We're sitting in front of stained glass windows and we've got the birds in the background. And it's just such a pleasure again, um, Molly, for you allowing me to be here. Well, thanks for coming. I'm so pleased you're in Bruton. Oh, I'm very pleased. You've not always lived in the countryside. Does it beat London?
1: Uh, It does, for quality of life. I live 10 minutes from where I work now, so my commute is to walk down a hill through Bruton High Street, and I generally uh, say hi to a few people on the way down because everyone knows each other here. Yeah, so I love it. It's certainly calm. I've been a couple of
0: times, and we met last year, actually, when you invited me to speak at one of your events. And I have to say... I was blown away, honestly, by the community that you've created, the love that they had for you, but also that they were just this like-minded tribe that you formed. It must be so lovely to know that without you, this group actually wouldn't have been created. And I just wanted to say, really, congratulations on being a superwoman. Thank you. I wanted to... um, talk to you and 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 go back a few years with a little bit about your story you were a journalist is that right for fashion magazines so can you tell me what led to the start of Selfish Mother and was there a light bulb moment?
1: There were several moments um that led that led to Selfish Mother I feel and one of them was when I was a fashion journalist I used to work at ES magazine and while I was there I just started thinking um, I was shopping editor and there were loads of people who were basically giving me loads of free stuff and inviting me on press trips like crazy press trips like to castles and Monaco and all these places and they would throw all these products at me and they would want me to put them in my pages and I'd think well they're just doing it so they can basically make some profit for a big business you know that's where that's going and I started thinking that I really wanted to do something that was more soulful for me and that I was giving back in some way. So that there, I thought there must be a better way for brands so that they weren't just you know, raising money for themselves, but they were gonna raise money for charity. So that seed was planted right there. And I also thought I just wanted to do something for myself because I got itchy feet when I was sitting in offices um, with a, a sort of tinted window and I couldn't see the outside. I didn't like that like I felt very hemmed in and I was not enjoying being in an office you know 9 to 5 uh, so that seed was planted but I didn't actually think of selfish mother until later on Um, when I had my first son, Rafferty, and uh, I used to go to baby groups with him and try and do this kind of perfect mum thing that seemed to be very much the thing then. We're talking 2011, except I was also still working as a journalist and trying to earn money. I didn't have a maternity leave pay. I was just working my arse off while also looking after a baby, and it it didn't all compute. I felt really stressed, and and then the idea of Selfish Mother literally popped into my head because I thought... I need to look after me, and if I don't look after me, I'm going to go insane. And I know that other people must be thinking like this too. So I started the blog called Selfish Mother, and I got some other journalists to write for it. So when we started off, there was about 10 of us writing for Selfish Mother, and that's how the entire brand began. Um, And I didn't start selling T-shirts till 2014. And I launched the Mother Tea with the sole aim of raising money for other mothers across the world. Um, going back to the fact that I wanted to give back through my brand. Um, so that's how it all began.
0: I'm wearing my strong jumper with pride today that gives back to Yazda, a charity committed to protecting women in the Yazdidi community who have lived through devastating circumstances in the aftermath of genocide. Good Tees, the name you have given these jumpers and T-shirts, is completely genius. Did that just come to you?
1: Yeah, I wanted them I wanted it to be that they look good, they feel good and they do good as well. So that's the idea of good teas. It was always from the start that selfish mother was the blog and I didn't want to call my brand just selfish mother. I wanted it to be that they were good teas so it described what they did as well. Um, and that was from the start. Uh, but we didn't have a shop. The family store came later on. That was that was after we'd started. The mother tea sold really really well. And then we launched some other teas like the Human Tea that raises money for um, the Refugee Council and Mama Tea which raises money for Mothers to Mothers charity. People really love to buy an item which not only makes them feel great but also empowers them because they know they're giving back to someone else at the same time.
0: What what was it like to... because you went from journalism... So sort of the, 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 the writing up of products, as you said, were coming into your office. But now you had a product yourself. And obviously being a
1: product girl my, myself, I, mm. I, I know
0: what that mm-hmm. entails.
1: How, what was that transition like? Um, yeah, I did actually have a slight head start because while I was freelancing as a journalist before I had um, kids, my husband started a brand and he started a brand called Million Hands, which is basically T-shirts and sweatshirts for uh, people who were into dance music, like electronic dance music. So we had a shop at Box Park and I helped plan the business with him. So when I launched the blog for Selfish Mother and then I started thinking I wanted to do a T-shirt for me, I literally, he had a T-shirt that said Belong and I got him to design one that said Mother <laughs> instead. <laughs> and that's how that started. So I kind of, I did feel that I'd had a lovely practice in learning how to produce a product also having worked in fashion I know what makes a good product and I know what makes it sell and you know what looks good and so that's nice, that's great using that knowledge I've got of previous and sort of you fashion probably experience. were able to
0: use that experience to get your product out there you know yeah. actually using your contacts who's been the most exciting person who's ever worn one of your tees
1: Well, we've had a few really exciting people. Um, The first person, to be honest, that helped us push our brand out into the masses was Fern Cotton. I noticed that uh, Leah Wood had bought a T-shirt. I just saw her name come up in our orders. And um, I very cheekily contacted her because I had her email because she'd obviously bought something from us. So I emailed her and said... Would you mind if I um, sent you two T-shirts, one more for you, but also one for your sister-in-law, Fern? So Leah gave it to Fern, and Fern shared it on Instagram, and it went at You know, which we call the Fern effect, basically. We've gone on to have people like Salma Hayek and Claudia Schiffer and um, Gillian Anderson. And Gillian Anderson's really cool because she was actually on the subscriber's cover for Red magazine in our human sweatshirt.
0: Um, i remember
1: yeah it's it awesome incredible we were also and with also with sama hayek like, it felt so amazing because they're really in sort of inspiring women um and the women we really respect yeah and look up to. exactly so it feels great when someone wears it and what what i love is say Gillian anderson um wore it on the cover of red but then also she wore it repeatedly throughout the next two weeks wherever she went and people kept sending me photos of her sort of doing a radio interview or someone said they saw her on the school run in our sweatshirt which means she actually loved it oh that's
0: so nice is there anyone um that actually you've pictured in your mind wearing um one of your t-shirts or jumpers who hasn't quite yet
1: yeah there's well when I started out I had three people in mind that I wanted to wear our sweatshirts or t-shirts and that was Fern Cotton which we did, that's a good tick. Also Gwen Stefani, absolutely would love to get her in one. And Kate Moss. So those are the three. So I've got one... I know Kate Moss has definitely got one of our vests because um, a friend actually dropped it off into her kitchen once randomly. I don't <laughs> she, she was editing a book. And you got it
0: right there. I got it
1: into her kitchen, so I hope she's worn it. Oh. I haven't seen a picture, but I'm thinking she might have done it. Well, I'm Gwen sure Stefani, going to I'm sure. Today,
0: I'm, I'm sure, and that's it's going to happen. These yeah, two exactly. more
1: ticks are going to happen. Um,
0: Molly, I'm interested to hear your views on the economy that you find yourself in. A report came out a few years ago, highlighting that the mum economy was worth over 7 billion pounds in 2014 that's businesses set up and run by mums as sole proprietors supporting over 200,000 jobs and they predict by 2025 that this mum economy will generate 9.5 billion for the uk wow. and support an additional 13,000 employees you were described as one of those leading this movement of mumpreneurs. First of all, I, I want to ask you, what do you think of the word mumpreneur? Do you like it or loathe it? I loathe it.
1: I loathe it. I don't, I don't mind mum economy, but I'd probably say parent economy, personally, because I think some dads are, are doing it too. Um, but mumpreneur, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, or but I don't think that... I need it to be labelled as a mum, as men wouldn't be labelled as dadpreneurs, basically. But I do think it's fantastic. And I do think it's amazing that so many women are starting businesses, which is successful. The wonderful thing is that if you start a business, that you are able to then have a say in how you have your life and how your family has your life and how you can mix your family and your work life. And that is the most amazing thing. So I do think it's really cool, and the mum economy is fantastic because at the moment women are supporting women so much that we buy from each other's brands and we support each other. I mainly buy all my kids' items from other brands but run by parents. I don't go to big shops. I just support other small businesses, and I think it's really, really important that we, you know, we shout about each other in this mum community or the parent community on Instagram, especially, or on Facebook, and now in the flesh as well with our events. But yeah, so it's really important. It's an interesting one, as
0: you can imagine. Sophie and I, as we formed not in the high street, we were almost brought up when this word started to come about. And some journalists absolutely hated it, and some completely loved it and just only wanted to label us as mompreneurs. And I think I'm—I suppose I think I'm a bit indifferent. As sometimes I just tire of labels, just generally, um, just as much as I don't think all small businesses call themselves entrepreneurs. You know, I, I actually you don't know many um, good life companies that call themselves entrepreneurs and yet if it breaks the mold uh, helps people understand it um, and what an amazing job us women are doing in business while spinning the family life if that's what they want to look at then I sort of I do love it but what actually bothers me more I suppose is this imagery I don't know if you've done this but when you search on Google for the word mumpreneur and you flick to the images where it, I don't know if you've seen it it's a woman in a suit at a kitchen table with a laptop and a baby, baby. you've seen it, it. Yeah, I have a yeah. mobile phone yeah. a laptop in her hand <laughs> and a baby on her hip there is no snot on that shoulder there is no sick down the back yeah. so I'm, I'm interested that you've seen it as well and, 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 and you think that the internet has changed well, yours and my life completely and it's changed the world, hasn't it, for mothers? The fact that you can start a business anywhere now that you if you want to, and it's not restricted to the office. And talking of flexibility, within the workforce, 62.5 billion more pounds would be pumped into our economy if people adopted flexibility within the workplace. These issues, they were obviously involved in amongst or within the tapestry of selfish mother.
1: I personally have always had a view that essentially four day weeks are always better. So just going back, basically, even when I, before I had kids, I thought that if you have less time to work, you do more in that time. Um, but I've always worked in very female industries, like in the fashion industry. So working three days a week or um, you know leaving early was always part of whatever office I was in. So for me, that's something that I've taken within my own business. Um, and everyone has a day at home. Every single person in the business, whether they have a child or not, has a day to work at home. If they want to look after their dog, that's fine by me. It's basically we work out with our employees you know, whatever is best for them. Um, but also what 's going to work for the business so it 's different when you're uh, when you 're looking after your business, you also need to make sure that you 've got everything covered, say with our customer happiness team that there 's always someone to answer emails. So if I'm honest, doing the rotors is is a mind-boggle a was, mind sometimes. I boggle was just sometimes. going to ask
0: you that because um, in terms of when you think about scaling this business, yeah. I have a feeling that you're not looking to scale this business to, you know, skyscrapers no. are, are filled with your teas. But at the same time, you are successful, you're going to grow this business. That sort of philosophy that you have, when you grow and the responsibilities of the company and people... Have you learnt a lot on the things that sort of do work when you're trying to give back to your employees?
1: Um yeah, I've definitely learnt my personal rule is that I don't I like to establish what days everyone's doing, and then they do those days. They don't change them around too much so that it's flexible, but sometimes you have to kick back slightly if there's someone wants to swap days around, that's probably where I've learnt the most, is that it's nice to be nice. (laughs) And it's nice to be like, oh, it doesn't really matter, you just do what you want. But actually, if you just have particular days that are set, then then that's fine. If they want to take holiday, then obviously that's fine too. But um, I've learnt that with employees as well, I like to ensure that we have fun within the business. I think that's really important. So we went to Babington House, say, a a couple of months ago on International Women's Day and everyone had the day off work and we all went to Babington House and and had a day out. And I think things like that are really important as well, Um, just to to sort of give back to your team and have that sense of sort of um, community within each other, within the team. It's so lovely to hear you talk about this because
0: I've been around um, so many businesses um, who are small and micro businesses who have maybe um, enlisted the help of different types of HR uh, expertise, let's say, who have come from corporate um, and are sort of trying to fit that into the small business. And what I do believe and what I can hear from what you're saying, there is a real new wave on how to get the best out of people, how it is important that they absolutely love what they do, what they believe in what you're doing. But um, the bottom line, you work harder than you've ever worked before?
1: Um, I, I think about work more than I've ever worked before, <laughs> than I ever have before. Um, yes, I think that I've, when I've had jobs that are um, job jobs and you're working for someone else, you know, I, I remember having days where I would stay till nine o'clock in the office after having got there at nine o'clock in the morning and I don't do so much of that anymore which is really nice and I think I, I don't when I don't consider working hard as just being on my laptop for instance and I've realized that actually I can be walking down the street now and be working if my brain's thinking and you know I'm getting some air to my head so I work differently so I work Oh, it's more stress, definitely. I feel, but it's stress that I enjoy as opposed to stress for someone Negative else. Negative stress. Yeah, it's me thinking, okay, how can I make this better all the time? Um, so, but I I do the school pickup most days, so I my kids finish at four o'clock and. I try four times a week to do the school pick-up and then we hang out for a couple of hours. Usually I get my laptop in bed afterwards, but I love the evenings when I don't get my laptop in bed after I put the kids to bed and I just watch something inane. I love that. Um, And I don't work at weekends unless I'm doing my one Saturday a month in the shop. So I definitely do try to make sure I've got quality time. Um, So, yeah, I do work hard, but I uh, have a really good quality of life here in Bruton, which is great. I think hard work is, um, yeah, it can take many forms, basically.
0: I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, when you're running a small business, um, you're ambitious, which I'm sure you are. You have children. Um, you've got your gang um, back at HQ. You've got your home. It's it's that ability to sew all of those things together. In a way where, um, certainly at Holly & Co, I was always asked about this work-life balance. That was 100% my main question that's ever (laughs) been asked of me. And so at Holly & Co, I I, um, decided that we were going to call this something different. So we called them the good life companies. And actually it was... A way for me to try and describe a good way of doing business, not a lazy way, not what we used to call, I think in the times, lifestyle businesses, um, where there was some sort of notion that you were just sort of, um, you know, a couple of hours here and there. By the sounds of it, I think you believe you have
1: a good life company. I do, I do. And we've actually got good life in the wall in our shop. And I think it's good. It feels good for me, but also it feels good for the other people that work with us. But also it feels good for the people who come and interact with us. So many people come to our shop and they just say, I just love the vibe here. Or even if they email us, we've got, we don't have customer services. We have customer happiness um, because our aim is to make everyone happy. Um, we don't want to serve them. We want to bring them in and you know, leave them smiling. So yeah, I genuinely think from from in all areas, it's it's a good life company. I love that, in fact, and I love that you think of good names for things because I feel I do too. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not I don't, you know, give me anything, it. and I like to brand it up. You know, it's a, a philosophy. Let's co- create
0: a brand. But I I think it's very interesting how you have. Um, given these names to a, a department that's naturally called customer service and that we're almost rewriting that bit's business dictionary and actually when you get down to the core of it well of course you know when you serve a customer it surely is to make them happy so I, I love hearing that I really hope you're enjoying my conversations of inspiration I wanted to also tell you about an event that I'm putting on in September called the Congregation of Inspiration, the ultimate small business event for creative entrepreneurs coming together for a day like no other, full of incredible speakers such as Julie Dean, who created the Cambridge Satchel Company and was one of my first guests on this podcast and other inspiring founders of businesses such as Selfish Mother, The Happy Newspaper, and Vicky's Donuts. I'm going to talk about business in a way that's refreshing. The tips, the hacks, and the wish I'd knowns. At the Congregation of Inspiration, I want to give you jargon-free business advice that you just can't Google. So please join me on the 28th of September for a day that just might change your life. Tickets and more information can be found via my website, holly.co. I hope to see you there. I wanted to move on to the G word, guilt. As a working mother, it's sometimes a real struggle. And I I remember, I was talking about it the other day, when I started Not On The High Street, when I just had my Harry. I missed his um, first steps, um, his first words. I remember, Frank, I think we had a big brick of a mobile, but somehow it did send me a video, and it was of Harry's little steps. And, oh, it killed me. Absolutely floored me. I I felt that, um, you know, Harry was going to really, really suffer due to my selfish ambition, um, I would say. And, And, you know, I remember when we launched Not On The High Street, Harry was asleep under my desk and this guilt this guilt sort of had me awake but most nights I would feel sick to my stomach that I was I had always wanted to be a mother and yet I was putting my business um, before him I've now realized what a useless emotion this is have you ever suffered from mother's guilt and if you have how have you been able to handle it
1: um, I think I sort of have waves of it quite often. Um, I was writing an email earlier on my phone um, while Lib- my daughter Liberty was at my feet and I kind of realised absent mindedly that she was actually had her hands in the air and wanted me to pick her up and I, I hadn't even noticed. So things like that can make you feel a bit guilty but I, I probably had, probably the guilt that I had maybe spurred me on to start Selfish Mother in the first place in that I felt guilty that I wasn't able to be able to sort of spin all these plates in the air with regards to working and look after Rafferty and um, be perfect, like I said before. So that guilt was what I took to... to start Selfish Mother. So I think it really helped me to do that in a way. And I don't get massive amounts of guilt now because I feel that I really, I really make an effort to spend lots of time with, with them. And, you know, like the other night, I was going to get on with some work that I thought was quite urgent. And actually, I suddenly realised that the kids were just going to bed because my husband had put them to bed. And I hadn't gone and given them a hug and uh and i just literally was like well, what am i doing and i put the laptop down and i just went up and i just laid with them until they fell asleep and mm. th- that kind of thing is really it's so important to do and it makes me feel so happy that i'm able to do that and also i do want to try and stay sane because i do i love hanging out with my kids but when they're tiny babies especially like at the age of six months for each of them i've got some childcare, and actually that childcare has. Saved me and kept me yeah. feeling really sane. Yeah. I had guilt when I, um, when Rafferty was quite young. I got a, a temping job at Net-a-Porter, and I, it was an amazing opportunity because I got to be fashion features editor for two months in Net-a-Porter, um, covering someone's maternity leave. And then someone else left, and I got to be editor for a month. This was on the digital magazine um, just before Lucy Yeomans arrived to to take it to what it is now, a physical magazine. So I couldn't pass up this opportunity, but I did have a small child. So um, it it made me feel guilty when I dropped Rafferty at the childminder at 7.45 in the morning, and then I didn't pick him up till 6pm in the evening. You know, But that was for four months and I just said to them, when they offered me to stay longer in another role, I just said that I couldn't do it. I really enjoyed it and it was really great for me and my CV. But the guilt probably did override that in the fact that I couldn't possibly leave him for that long, four days a week. So yeah, so there you go. That's a long answer on guilt. No, well, you
0: know what I love is that when you were talking about putting yourself into your kid's bed and scooping yourself there for bedtime story time sleep time is that you slightly welled up there <laughs> yeah. because i feel like maybe you've used your guilt you're making me do it again now as a, oh don't <laughs> you'll get me going um uh, not that we're guilty. <laughs> yeah. um, but um the fact that you i can see that you've used your guilt i've never heard this before and i think it's such a lesson for us all You've used it as a superpower because you took that, you knew you didn't want to feel it, and you built something that allowed you to be the person, the human being that you want to be in this life. Do you think that having the benefits of giving your children this world that you now live in, what do you think that's going to do for them?
1: Um, I think it's already, it's already having a positive effect, to be honest. Um, both um, my husband and I believe, and we've told the kids that... They can do whatever they want to do. They don't have to go to university if they don't want to. They can just leave school and go and do work experience somewhere or, you know, create something of their own. Um, Rafferty, who is seven, um, has a business idea. And he has a, we have a logo and everything that we designed. He says he wants to create things like drones that will collect the junk from space, and he's going to recycle the junk from space and, and make robots. And we've designed the offices. There's going to be um, a special room for me and Tom so we can relax in it and do consultancy work. <laughs> As well as a pool on the roof and stuff like that. Brilliant. And a so, pool. Yeah, Robots and a pool. Exactly. So he has got the idea in his head already that he wants to start a business and he's going to employ his brother. You know, it's, it's all out there. And I think that's really healthy because when I was growing up, I wanted to be lots of things. But I never thought that I would ever start my own business because neither of my parents had a business And uh, I thought that was what other people did or what cleverer people did or just people who had different skills to me did. It seemed like a very foreign thing. Um, So I think it's great to put this sense of um, opportunity into our kids' heads and just think, well, you can do that if you want to. Because I love running a business, so I'd love them to love one too.
0: I know you know about Harry but um you know for me as well it's it's that notion of for so long have it thinking I was going to screw him up and actually now it's it's just the opposite You're you're providing this education, I would say, that the schools do not give. They see, learn, they're inspired by your work ethics, absorbing real-life business lessons, you know, under your roof. Um, They're seeing what it takes to have a dream and actually make it a reality. And ironically, when I I mentioned um, about Harry being under the death when I launched Not on the High Street, when we launched Holly & Co, Harry actually insisted on being there. It was a school night, so terrible parent. Nothing obviously went to plan at all. And it was 3am when we pressed that sort of iconic green light button. And he was asleep under the desk. Um, He couldn't stay up. (laughs) And it was just one of those moments that now completely inspires me that if I hadn't have been bringing him up in this sort of business world that he was absorbing, he never would have wanted to be there and he would never have shared that with me. So it sounds like we're bringing up a future of little entrepreneurs who probably look at our balance and are taking it more on board, where there's happiness being balanced with running a business. And I think that's such an important um, lesson that we're giving. I'm interested to ask you about who you work with. Now, your husband is in the business, mm-hmm. he's your business partner. So many small businesses have either their life partner or a family member working with them. I've uh, enlisted all of mine uh, Mm -hmm. over the years and I still work with my sister after 15. What's it like? And have you found ways of working or any tips that you could share?
1: Um, Yeah, it's interesting because, as I said, I first started working with Tom when he was running a business. So he had all the stress then and I was raising the kids at the beginning as well as helping him but i didn't feel that stress so i found it really interesting that basically as selfish mother took off tom was making music and he was happily making music while i was basically feeling the stress yeah and it was only about a year ago that i said hey you know what i really need help here (laughs) i'm doing all this stuff and you used to do it so can you help me out um so the, the roles are reversed. I definitely feel more stressed than him because I do feel that it's my business, even though we work on it together. Um, effectively, it's my sort of, you know, name. If I was a landlord, it would be my name above the door. But we do have different roles. And what's really great is he's come in and he's taken the financial side and the grand financial planning side of it Um off my shoulders which is great because that's the bit I was really stressing about so that's really cool so he takes that and we've learned how to work together just we we respect each other's time and we try not to talk about things lasting at night and respect each other when you're with other people as well because when you're with other people and you're having a team meeting it's very easy to be who you are when you're at home but actually so yeah there's lots of things there's so many things we've learned over the years Um, And I do really enjoy working with him, though. I love working with him. I love the fact that I can go home and talk about anything and he understands. It's really, really valuable to me. Um, Yeah, so it's interesting. There are definitely bust-ups as well, though, because, you know, there always are when you work work with your other half. But it's also good because you can get that out, and I think with other team members, sometimes, you know, you have to hold things in a little bit more.
0: I can imagine. I'm so happy that you've found your way, and I'm sure it's something that matures over time. Something that also inspires me about you is... When I've heard you speak about how much you give back to the world, am I right in saying this? Over a million pounds for charity?
1: No, but we're nearly at a million. We're nearly, and I, so I'm not going to go there yet. Basically, we are at 837,000 pounds. Oh my goodness! So um, the million will definitely happen this year, it's which going I'm to very very excited about. We're going to have a massive party. <laughs> oh
0: wow! I, I mean, it is just incredible. Not only have you grown this profitable business, but you've also managed to be able to do good with it. I'm interested to know that model that you worked out, being commercial but also good at the same time, has that matured over time or was it easy to get to? Do you still struggle with it?
1: Um, To be honest, it has matured over time because when I first started, um, when I sold the first Mother Tea, I said, well, we'll give 50%. We'll just give 50% of the retail price to charity. (laughs) And we could do that for... We probably did it for about six months to a year. We gave 50%. Um, But then sort of bills started coming in and uh, official things. And I was like, this just doesn't add up. We can't really pay ourselves and pay the bills and give 50% to charity. So um, it was great because we did, you know, raise a good amount quite quickly, I think. But so now we actually... We don't give 50%. We give £5 per item. And that's the only way that we can feasibly um, pay all the bills we need to pay and um, keep the government happy and give ourselves a wage. Uh, And we don't give ourselves a crazy wage. We make sure that we pay ourselves reasonably. I think it's important that we don't think well we've got this business that's that's you know doing really well so we can just sort of flash the cash and, and buy lots of things for us because yeah we need to make sure that we are living moderately so that we can do that because when we start to actually you know expand it's quite difficult then to still give that money to charity and that's in our brand and that's who we are so we can't stop doing that because it's the most important thing yeah Yeah. exactly it's
0: it's 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 so refreshing it's so refreshing to hear you speak about this because i think maybe i'm seeing a transformation through small businesses that i work with who are defining success outside of the ferraris and the golden pot at the end of the um fictitious rainbow i think that more and more people um need to try and understand how they can do good within their business because it's actually probably more commercial. You know, you're attracting the loyal customer, the customer who's consuming consciously. One of my favourites is Tom's Shoes, giving a pair of shoes away for free every time you purchase a pair. And incredibly, they have just been valued at $625 million dollars. So this idea that you can't have a successful or, if you want to, valuable brand that does good is now disappearing but also i just read um recent study in the government which identified more than 123,000 of what are called mission-led businesses in the uk and they had a combined turnover i couldn't believe this of 165 billion which is four percent of the economy and so it it really just shows you that doing good is commercial Mm. and i would say with the way that the consumers are going how they're behaving it's going to be our future tell me about the pros of running a mission led business yeah. do you find that you have a very loyal customer base
1: yeah that's a good question um i actually wrote um you mentioned tom shoes blake my is a massive inspiration to me and i wrote an article about this for stellar magazine and the telegraph and it was all about philanthropineers and tom's um blake my said that his business does good for profit as well which is really interesting so i it's amazing for me that i i don't think that we would be as successful if we weren't giving like we are because it's intrinsic to our brand um and like you said we do have a loyal following they really are into the fact that whenever they buy something something goes to charity and it brings you something to talk about but also with our brand it's very much about people sharing photos of themselves on instagram or facebook So they they buy an item, we send a postcard saying, please wear and share this item to help us raise more and spread the word. And they do, and it's like a guilt-free selfie. So that as a business concept works massively for us, that people want to share themselves in our items because it's giving back to charity. Do you ever
0: have a negative backlash? I know you're. Um, you know we're all living in a world of critics, and you are on social media. And I read that sometimes, you know, you you have had to deal with that negativity. Where does that come from? Why do you think people do it? And, and how have you handled it?
1: Um, I think I've been pretty fortunate, to be honest. Um, I've had one one person who actually copied lots of our designs and when i pulled her up on the fact that she was copying our designs like literally copying them um she went a bit crazy and put my picture on her instagram and facebook and really put a picture of our house up and um that's probably the person who i've had most negativity from and she's definitely blocked (laughs) um but generally we do have a very supportive customer base i kind of feel randomly we've got away with it you know there's a lot of people that are spreading negative vibes online um which I think is really bad. But with regards to our brands, because we give to charity, I think people are a little bit more supportive, which is really nice.
0: Yeah, Um, you you mentioned their copying. The world that um, I'm in and supporting small businesses, one of the top, top, top worries, top issues they're dealing with is the fact that they can be easily copied. What are your views on this?
1: My views. Initially, that with the first person who ever bought out a very similar item... For instance, when we launched um, the Mother Tea, no-one was doing that at all. And, and someone summed it up recently. They said the only mum merch you could get then was those mum necklaces you bought from Argos. Oh, wow, yes. Because <laughs> no-one was doing it. Yeah. And now it's a, it's a thing. It's a trend. It's, a, you know, it's something that is a, is a big thing, that T-shirts aimed at mums. And then suddenly... Over the next few months, just more and more people started doing very similar things. Not the same, but similar to us. And I realised that, actually, it's a trend. <laughs> and yeah. I started a trend. So that's different. Yeah. They're just getting in on the act. Because this is an amazing way for women or parents to be able to run a business at home. They just simply get something printed on a T-shirt and they sell it. And what I've realised now is that it's better to bring people into your fold. So the people who I respect... Who do similar things to us, we actually sell them now in our own shop. So we basically support other parent brands and we support other parent merch. So instead of thinking about them as competition, we think of them as part of our crew. And so we're all doing the same thing and we all support each other. And I think it's a much healthier way to look at it. Um, So yeah, some people will try and copy but they're never going to do it as well as we do it they're just trying to imitate what we're doing well they don't have the depth do they they don't have
0: the depth they don't have the story they don't have your brain they don't have what's coming next and I think that's the important thing and so it's very interesting to how you've um, dealt with it and talking about your shop there um, I'm interested because I, I, I know you've been and we've shared coffee in my Holly & Co workshop and it has been a real eye-opener um, from you know, working with um, a lot of small businesses but definitely online to now actually having a physical place. Um, I think the community would be really interested to hear what are the ups and downs you would say about being on the high street and the reasons that you
1: felt you needed that physical presence. Um, Well, the reason I felt I needed the physical presence was because we had such an amazing tribe that we'd amassed. You know, if we've got 5,000 people who write for our blog, we've got um, 100,000 people who follow us on Instagram, we've got 130,000 people who engage with us on Facebook, and they're all online. And I wanted to meet the people and have a tangible experience with them in the flesh. So... um, The reason we created the space was so we could have a sort of physical embodiment of us and what we do. And that um, that we had somewhere that people could come and join us and, and hang out with us and get involved. And we could have events and um so all of that has worked really really well it's really amazing but it's definitely tougher having a shop on the high street than it is online obviously which is why you started not on the high street i'm, I'm presuming <laughs> i've um, done things back to front yeah. a bit there. <laughs> yeah. a little bit um so i love it for all the re- all the things it gives us but it's definitely more difficult on the bottom line um, has your so, community liked it oh it's amazing i mean the community absolutely love it um everyone that comes in you know so many people come back and come back and come back and they're really involved it feels like they're part of our team almost some of our customers are, it's come in so much that they're just part of the team and so that's really good wow. because we provided this sort of this hub and this place to hang out that just didn't exist before i mean it was like a disused chinese restaurant before um well you've it's certainly, certainly really different brought some color to gray yeah there. and we've 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 employed people as well so that's important
0: we're coming to our, um, the end of our lovely time together, but a couple of quick questions. I always use your an- uh, analogy that running your small business is like a roller coaster. What would you say has been your proudest moments, your greatest high so far?
1: My greatest high? Um, what would it be? I think we, had, we, we launched an Instazine recently, which is essentially a magazine on Instagram, And no-one has ever done this before. Thank you. (laughs) And um, you featured in our our issue, which is great. indeed, indeed, yeah. Um, So no-one's done this before, and I was really excited about it. And we had our launch at Instagram HQ in London, which is amazing because that's a space that no-one really gets into. It's like sort of some fortress. This year, that's the best thing that's happened, definitely. Um, Opening the shop was just amazing. Buying this building is just amazing. But probably, say when I launched the Mother Tea and I only had 100 T-shirts and people bought them. That was probably yeah. the real highlight. You know, actually, you do something, you put yourself out there and actually people and like it, works. it. It works. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, this is good. I've got to order some more. Um, <laughs> and and, and on, on the other side, the low, what the would low. you say has been your darkest um, moment? I don't know if we're at the real darkest moments. I mean, obviously... Um, oh, actually, I think it was probably after I had Liberty... And I didn't want to work. I said to everyone, I'm not going to work for a couple of months. Um, But I found it so stressful because I was really tired and I find it really hard not to work. So I was wrestling with myself for desperately wanting to know what the hell was going on within my business but also not wanting to be, you know, interrupted and spend time with the baby. That was really hard. That was a low, but not a low because she's amazing. The baby and I didn't feel depressed. I just felt like really stressed and tired. Um, so it's nice. As soon as I got childcare, I felt like I was more like me again. You which leads breathe. back into selfish mother.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that draws us to the end of this. Wonderful conversation of inspiration. Thank you so much, Molly. Your honesty today has been just, just wonderful to hear. And I know that you are a very open and honest woman. And that's why so many people adore you and follow you and, and, and really hang on what you say. It's really refreshing, actually, when I feel sometimes that women cannot do this and they um, set standards that are ridiculous to meet or are fictitious. And so it's just been wonderful to sit here with you today. Before I go, though, something I ask all my guests is to prepare before the podcast a little note to their younger selves. I dreamt up this idea as I thought and I really empathised with not having any time ever to reflect and I wanted to almost give this back to you, a moment for you to maybe look at what you wish Molly had um, put in her back pocket um, of her jeans when you were younger and, and what you wish you could say to yourself i haven't heard it so <laughs> i'm bef- hoping
1: it's okay oh <laughs> well
0: anything you say is going to be perfect um but i just wanted to thank you before you read it um for sharing a little piece of your soul
1: my pleasure my pleasure i'll go ahead so this is uh, I, i've all i've talked about not just business but just sort of me as i was growing growing up um So what would I write in a note to you, my younger self? Hmm, I don't think I would write anything, except maybe in 2018 you're still alive and doing okay, so keep trucking. Why would my letter be so brief? Um, Because anything I would say would interfere with what I did then and how I acted. It would change the course of my history. It would mean I wouldn't be where I am today, and I don't want to change a thing about that, except possibly the massive bill I received from a supplier this morning. I do wish I could change that. But seriously, life is good. I wake up feeling happy and fortunate that I have a loving, healthy family and a thriving business, and I live in a beautiful place. And I genuinely feel that everything I've experienced in the past has led to who I am and where I am now. All the gut decisions I rushed to act on, all the mistakes I made, all the angst I have felt, it was all meant to be because everything taught me valuable lessons along the way, even if it didn't feel like it at the time. For instance, I wouldn't go back and pet myself up that time I was laying on the floor of my bedroom in my first year of college when I was studying fashion promotion, thinking desperately, how will I ever, ever get a job? I'm not confident enough, I don't have the gift of the gab, I don't have all the knowledge, I'm not posh enough so I don't have the connections, so is there any point in even trying? You see, I wouldn't go back like the ghost of Christmas future and explain to myself as I lay on the floor with tears streaming down my face that you don't need to worry because at the end of your second year of college you'll do a week's work experience on the Guardian Weekend magazine and a few months later they'll need a fashion assistant and think of you. And none other, than, none other than the fashion um, editor at The Guardian will call your home phone and leave a message with your dad during the summer holidays saying, Would Molly like an interview? And that you'll be offered the job and jack in your degree completely so that you can start your career on The Guardian fashion desk. I wouldn't tell myself not to worry about my future, because if I knew in advance how things would turn out, I might not have sent so many letters to so many publications to get work experience, and I might not have had to put my all into that week at The Guardian. I might have been more cocky and less conscientious. I might have thought that I deserved that role, when in fact for years I thought I had landed there by accident, and this imposter syndrome somehow spurred me on, so much so that two years later I applied for a new role with double the salary, and I got it, taking over someone far more experienced than me as fashion writer at The Telegraph. A job which I reveled in, the loose working hours, the fun parties, the endless long lunches and countless gifts, press trips and freebies. I wouldn't go back and tell myself to slow down and not get so taken up with it all. I wouldn't tell my 23-year-old self to use my 27K wage to buy a home <laughs> like my mum was telling me to. And I wouldn't advise me to buy the flats in Russell Square or Ballin that I looked at with a mortgage agreed, but which I soon forgot about because I was having too much fun, literally losing the mortgage offer in principal letter under a pile of stuff on my bedroom floor. And I wouldn't explain to myself that the property market would soon rapidly change in London and it would be a full 15 years until I'd be financially secure enough to buy my first home. However, at the other end of the spectrum, I wouldn't go back and congratulate myself on the wonderful things in my past I did right, on having the guts to put a note through a stranger's door on my street explaining that that one move would change the course of my life forever because I'd end up marrying the bloke I'd taken quite a fancy to through his window... (laughs) I wouldn't tell myself that striving to save all our money so we could spend a year in Ibiza together would be an experience we'd treasure forever, as we might have gone for longer. And if we'd gone for longer, I would not have got the job at ES Magazine as shopping editor, which I hated so much that I started dreaming of starting my own business that would have been based around fashion, but I wanted to give back instead of making a profit." And as I interviewed lots of cool business owners, I sat wondering why on earth they did it or how, how on earth they did it and thinking to myself that I could never be an entrepreneur because it was too hard or there was some dark art to it. I wouldn't tell myself any of that at all because fast forward a decade and I'm sitting here talking about my business, having raised nearly a million pounds for charity. I wouldn't tell myself anything. I'd just, I'd just say, keep trucking and carry on. The end.
0: <laughs> Full of tears. <laughs> I really, really empathize with your sentiment there, and that um, we can look back and connect the dots. But at the same time, it's all the trip ups and the um, weird and wonderful world that we have created and have lived that brings us here today. And I, for one, are super grateful to be sitting here with you today, Molly. Thank thank you so much. Thank Thank you, you,
1: Molly. Thanks for asking. I've loved it. Oh,
0: I've loved it too. (laughs) Thanks NatWest again for sponsoring this podcast. It's great to partner with an organisation that believes in empowering people in business. That's why they developed the NatWest Business Hub, which is full of information, tips and insights to help business owners meet their goals. Go to natwestbusinesshub.com to get started. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations of Inspiration. I want as many people as possible to believe that they can build a business doing what they love. So could I ask a favour? If you like what you're listening to, would you rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast provider? It will help others find this podcast and may just be the inspiration they need to follow their dreams. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come true when you are lying in your bed And if you want your friends to come then bring them